Amen. Do you guys bring your Bibles this morning? Would you mind showing me if you brought your Bibles this morning? This is what my Bible looks like. What does your, what does your Bible look like? If, if you brought a Bible, that's awesome. If not, that's cool. That's all. That's okay. But I'm going to ask you to do this. Why don't you hold up your Bible like so this morning? You can hold up in the air like so. Maybe it's a paper Bible like mine. Maybe it's a, a phone you downloaded uh, you know, the, the Bible into. Either way is cool. Why don't you hold your Bible up like so? And we're going to make this proclamation together in faith as a way to get our hearts ready for the message this morning. Are you guys ready? Here we go. Let's try this together. We're going to say, this is my Bible. It is God's word. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I open up my heart so that God's word can come in and change my life, and I will never be the same. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me or scroll to uh, Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12. You're wondering where Proverbs is. It's in the middle of your Bible. When you kind of go to the middle of your Bible, you're going to see Psalms. And right out there is Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 12 is where we're going to start. We're going to start chapter 12, verse 4 of Proverbs this morning. We're not going to uh, end there. We're certainly going to be looking at other things this morning. But we're going to start there as we continue our series here at Thrive called Known and Loved. Everyone say Known and Loved. In this series called Known and Loved, it's all about relationships. We're talking about why is it that sometimes in our closest relationships, the last thing we feel is known and the last thing we feel is loved. And it's over these several weeks that we've been doing a series here where we're talking about nine keys to better, happier, healthier relationships. Have you enjoyed this series so far? We had a great time in this series, heard some great feedback about ways that people's relationships at home, with their friends, at work, uh, have been changing for the better. It's been awesome to see. And uh, if you've been following along the series, you know that we've looked at four of those keys so far. We've looked at the first key, which is prioritize your relationships. What does it mean to really put your relationships first? And another one we looked at is resolving conflicts the smart way. We looked at letting go of grudges, uh, which Pastor Charlene did uh, with us uh, you know, earlier this uh, in, on Mother's Day, gave a powerful message on letting go of grudges. Pastor Tim was here last week and talked about speaking life-giving words. Today, I've got the pleasure of giving you the fifth key that we're talking about this morning. Let me set it up this morning by telling you a little bit of a story. Can we give all of our volunteers a big hand, first of all? Let's, let's appreciate them for all their hard work. Thank you so much. A few weeks ago, uh, my son Bradley, he asked a question uh, about uh, something that I was not expecting him to ask me about. Uh, and uh, it's a very interesting question that I would never expect someone who is just in grade one to ask me. Uh, but he, he asked me this question. He said, Daddy, what kind of person should I be looking to marry? And in my mind, I thought to myself, dude, you're seven years old. But then I thought to myself, well, better to ask early than too late. Uh, and so I really appreciated this question. We had a good talk. But what we're talking about today has a lot to do with that question. See, this morning, as part of our Known and Love series, we're talking about the first thing to look for in a life partner. Now, if you're single in this place and you're wondering about that question, what do I look for in someone to marry one day? I hope this message is going to be very helpful and very practical for you. If you are married here and uh, you are thinking, well, I've already found my life partner. What does it have to do with me? I hope we're going to do two things with this morning's message. The first is this, is as we look at different areas that you want to watch out for when it comes to your life partner, I want you to do a self-check this morning. A self-check where you're going to ask yourself, in these different areas we're talking about, how am I doing 
in my marriage? How am I doing in my relationship with my spouse? Is there maybe one or two areas that we're going to be talking about today where I need to really work on that for the betterment of my marriage and my relationships at home? Maybe you're here today and you've got kids and you've always wondered, what am I going to tell them if they ask me this question of what to look for in a life partner? My hope is that this message is going to give you some really good practical things that you can tell your kids one day. If you're single, you're not really thinking too much about getting married, as we talk about these different things to look for in a life partner, I believe that you're going to find that many things we're going to talk about this morning can just as easily apply to your relationships at home, your relationships at work, to the closest friends in your life. And when you choose who's going to be your best friend or your closer friends, who you're going to do business with, who you're going to promote, who do you want to hire in your organization, those are all things that I think are going to help you as we look at this message this morning. Turn your neighbor, give them a high five and say, get ready for something great. Praise God. Well, what we're going to do is today, I want to give you uh, a, a number of pointers on what to look for in a life partner. But let me give you the first thing this morning, which is this. I hope to take some good notes. Is this is that the choice of whether to marry and who to marry is the second most important decision that you and I will ever make. Is that nothing will affect your life, your future, your happiness more than two decisions you make. The first is this, is what you do with Jesus Christ. That's the first and most important decision. That affects your life on earth now. It also affects your eternity. But the second most important question that you need to answer and the second most important decision you will ever make has to do with, will I marry? And if so, who am I going to marry? And see, nothing's going to affect your happiness more than these two decisions that you make in life. If you choose and decide well in this area, marriage can feel like the closest thing to heaven on earth a lot of times. If you choose poorly, marriage can feel like a living hell a lot of times. And so choosing who you marry is absolutely crucial. And as important as choosing a life partner is, how many of you guys know this? God does not choose your life partner for you. God does not choose it for you. What do I mean by that? Is this, is that God in many ways gives us the freedom to choose who our friends are, who our spouse is going to be. He in many ways leaves that choice. Let's look at Proverbs 12, 26 with me right now. Could you read it with me a big loud voice? We're going to look at that first Proverbs 12, verse 26. What does it say? It says, the righteous should choose his friends carefully for the way of the wicked leads them astray. It says the righteous should choose his friends carefully. Everyone say choose. See, this verse is saying that we have a choice to make when it comes to who we call our closest friends, and that includes, of course, our spouse, our mate, our life partner. And there's two implications we need to know from this verse. The first is is that since God doesn't choose our friends for us and leaves that choice to us, that means that you're, you're not to blame God if you make a foolish choice. It's not his fault. It's our choice, it's our decision, it's our responsibility, and we take up the consequences of whatever choice we make. And the second implication of this verse is this, is that, there, that that means that there's probably not just one person for you. Does that mean you can marry more than one person? No, I'm not talking about that. But what I mean is that when people say, oh, is, that, is he the one? Is he or she the one? The fact is this, is that there could actually be a number of people who could be a good match for you and with you. There could be probably a bunch more people that would be a horrible match for you or with you. But it's one of those things where it's not just there's one person in 7 billion people that's floating out there in the world, and if you miss that person, you miss your destiny. It's not quite like that. Because if that was the case, then logically speaking, if, there's all, if everyone had only one person for them, then what would happen is 
because if even one person messed up and married the wrong person, then we're all screwed. We're all messed up. But that's not the case, is that God gives us the freedom to choose. The thing is this, as important as the choice of a life partner is, the fact is most people aren't that picky or careful when it comes to dating or marriage. Instead, we tend to do something which is what I call we check people out without really checking people out. And see, you know, when, when I ask often, you know, I get in conversations with people, I'll, I'll ask them, what do you look for in a life partner? A lot of times girls, they'll say this. They'll say, you know, I'll say, hey, what do you look for in a life partner? And they'll say, oh, oh, is he sweet? You know, is he romantic? You know, does he make me laugh? Does he make me feel safe? Does he make me smile? Is he tall? Does he have nice hair? Right? That, that, that last one's usually if the guy's in his 20s, right? If the guy's in his 30s or 40s, it's like, does he have some hair? Right? If it's, if it's in his 50s or 60s, it'll be, you know, does he have any hair? And so it just depends on age, but those are sometimes the questions that I'll, that I'll, I'll get. Another one is if I ask the guys, you know, so guys, what, what do you look for in a girl? They'll say, uh, is she female? Uh, is she hot? Does she have a boyfriend? Is she hot? Does she like hockey? Is she hot? And, and, and see, I, I might be oversimplifying things and exaggerating a little bit, but you get the idea. The fact is this. We tend to so much focus on stuff like physical attraction, romantic feelings, how talented that person is, how well that person dresses, how much chemistry we feel with that person. Oh, he likes bubble tea? <gasps> I like bubble tea too! Oh, she likes to travel? I love to travel too! And, and, and we think, oh, we are made to be. And, and there's the thing. That, and finally, they think there's so much that they have in common because they like bubble tea or they like to travel. And eventually they get together. And over time, they start thinking to themselves, what happened to all the romance? What happened to all our chemistry? How could I be so stupid? How could I, how could I marry someone who's got such a, an anger issue? How could I marry someone who's so addicted to pornography? How could I marry someone who's so irresponsible with money? How could I marry someone who's got such a selfish bent toward them? How could I marry someone who's so lazy? How could I marry someone who's got no boundaries with the opposite sex? And, and see, what's going on is what happens. You are checking them out without really checking them out. See, or put another way, you were focused on the wrong things. See, the fact is this, a serial liar, someone who you cannot trust, can be very sweet and romantic. You know, a girl who can't sit still in one relationship can have a very good sense of humor and make you laugh. An evil dictator can have lots of money and want lots of kids. You know, a person with an addiction can have nice hair and tight abs. The fact is this, is that you don't check them out just on the external side of things, but there's so much more we need to check out. And, you know, the fact is this, the advice we get from Hollywood doesn't help very much either. The vast majority of movies you're going to see on TV, in the theaters, is all about, if you want to find the one, it's all about romantic feelings. It's all about sexual attraction. It's all about a need for companionship. As long as you have all three of those things, then you guys must be made to be. You must be meant to be. And yet, if all we needed for a happy marriage was good looks, sexual attraction, and a need for companionship, then you know what? The happiest, longest-lasting marriages would probably be Hollywood marriages. But they're not. 
You know, if, if good looks is all you needed, if you just need to be sexy, and that's all it took to have a happy, lasting marriage, then you know what? Hollywood marriages would be the longest-lasting marriages there are. But celebrities, you'll see, you'll often see that, you know, people in Hollywood, they often get divorced quicker than most other people do. Don't get me wrong. I'm not here to say that physical attraction is not important. It is important. It's one aspect that you need to, you need to pay attention to, but it's not the most important thing. What's the most important thing? We're going to talk about that today. See, the most important thing to focus on when looking for a life partner is something called character. Everyone say character. See, what is character? See, character, here's a definition for character we're going to use today. Character is the combination of emotional, spiritual, and moral qualities that make a person who they are, who she is, who he is. That includes stuff like, is this person responsible? Do they keep their word? You know, is this person emotionally healthy? Does this person manage conflict in a mature way? Is this person thankful and content, or are they constantly complaining and comparing and being needy? You know, is this person careful with money, or they, do they spend recklessly and thoughtlessly? Is this person a team player, or do they always insist on their own way? Does this person love their family, or, or are they kind of very disrespectful toward the people closest to them? Are they, is this person generous, or are they stingy? Are they proactive? Do they get things done before you tell them to? Or are they always someone who needs to be pushed by other people? See, these all have to do with character. And you're going to find this is the most important factor in how happy two people will be in a relationship over a lifetime is not how good they look in shorts and a tank top. It's not how much money is in their bank. What is most important is their character, the character of the two parties. If you believe that, say amen. Character is the foundation of any relationship. Look at Proverbs 12.4. The thing is this, is that the Bible over and over and over tells us that more than anything else, you want to focus on character. Look at Proverbs 12.4. What does it say? It says, a wife of noble character is her husband's crown, but a disgraceful wife is like decay in his bones. Proverbs 31.10. What does it say? It says, a wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. That's on the, on the girl's side. On the guy's side, look at Proverbs 20, verse 6. What does it say? It says, many a man claims to have unfailing love, but a faithful man who can find. See, all these verses are talking about the need to focus on character when you're considering someone as a life partner. And that leads us to key number five of our Known the Love series today. Why don't you write this down? Key number five is this. When choosing a life partner, look for character. See, how many of us know that character and personality are not the same thing? Character and personality are not the same thing. Sometimes when people uh, come up to me and we start talking about you know, the kind of person they want to one day marry, sometimes they'll say, oh, yeah, I'm just looking for someone with a good personality. See, that doesn't make very much sense to me. I'll tell you why. It's because everyone's got a good personality. Your personality has little to do with you and more to do with God who gave you your personality. Whether you are outgoing or shy, whether you are funny or serious, whether you're extroverted or introverted, whether you're a planner or more a feeler, these things are your personality. And there's no real right or wrong in it. It's just a subjective, these are subjective qualities. You can't judge them as good or bad, right or wrong. It's just who you are. You tell the person next to you, give them a high five. You've got a great personality. You do. You really do. Every single one of us, because it's a God-given gift. Your personality is God's gift to you. But see, character is a different story. See, character is objective traits in your life 
that can be judged as right or wrong. There is a moral layer to character that personality doesn't have. It's stuff like, are you honest? Do you keep your word? Are you responsible? Are you courageous? Are you you respectful of others? Do you have integrity? This is what we call character. And so instead of looking for someone with a good personality, what you need to look for is someone who's got good character and a personality that's compatible with yours. Amen. See, your, your personality tends to be fixed and unchanging. It doesn't really change that much over time. But your character can change, but often not without a lot of effort on your part and my part. Now, to put it, another way to put it is this, is that your personality is God's gift to you. Your character is your gift to God. Amen. See, your personality is God-given. But your character is something that you, in tandem with God, work on together to give God glory. Your character is your gift to God. And see, regardless of what your personality is, regardless of what that person you are considering's personality is, here are some character questions that you can ask yourself about a person that you may be considering. Here are a few questions. Uh, I find them very interesting questions. Number one is this. If I married that person right now, and he does not change a single bit for the rest of our lives— would that be enough for me? Would that be enough for you? Would it? Because if it's not, it may be a clue that you have an issue with that person's character. See, a lot of people, they make this mistake when it comes to relationships. They fall in love with the other person's potential. Not their character, their potential. Oh, but if he really tried and really applied himself, oh, he would be such a good, good husband. He, if he really tried, he would be so trustworthy. If he really tried, he would be so responsible. The fact is, does he try? Does he try? What is that? You're focused on his potential, what you think and hope will happen rather than who he is. A lot of people, they focus so much on the potential that they forget who they're actually looking at. And the question is this, if I married that person right now and he does not change a single bit, would that be enough for me? If the answer is no, then there may be a question of character. And here's the thing, if you marry someone for their potential, get ready for a whole bunch of frustration for the rest of your life. Do you know why? On one hand, that person's not meeting your hidden state standards. On the other hand, that person doesn't feel accepted by you just the way that they are. It's kind of, I thought you loved me and accept me the way that I am. I do. So why do you want me to change? I don't know. It's because you're not really content with who they are. And so don't marry someone when you're only in it for their potential rather than their actual character. If you believe us, say amen. Number two, would I want to have a child with this person? So Say there's a baby in the picture and you're with this person. Do you think the other person would make a good parent? Or would you feel like you're taking care of two kids? Which one would it be? That's another question to ask yourself. Number three, would I want to have a child just like this person? So if my child was a mini version of this person that I'm considering, would that be a dream and a joy? Or would that be a nightmare and a form of subtle torture? Which one would it be? Number four, do I want to be more like this person? Do I look up to this person? Does this person have qualities that I wish I had more of? See, these are all questions concerning character. And if any of your answers to any of these questions is no, then you may have concerns about that person's character that maybe you're not yourself fully aware right now. That's because the key to finding a life partner, the first thing you want to look at is character. And when I say the first thing, that uh, I know, I realize that oftentimes that's not, not, not the first thing we notice about people. 
That's often not the first thing we, we think about when it comes to people, but it's first in terms, it's the most important consideration. You've got to make sure you're thinking about character more than anything else. You know, for years, I was focused only on feelings and chemistry when it came to relationships. I'd follow my feelings when I felt any way toward anyone, and I'd just end up with a string of broken hearts for myself mainly, but for others as well. And one day, I remember, there was a guy in my life who was kind of like a mentor to me, and he asked me, you know, what do I look for? What do you look for, JB, in a life partner? And at first, I, I couldn't really articulate. I had a tough time articulating. I had all these fuzzy ideas, and he said this, if you don't know what to look for, you're going to fall for anyone. And so he recommended that I start being a lot clearer in the kind of person that I was looking for. And so he recommended that I write down a list of the, the traits I'm looking for in a life partner. Not just physical traits, but even more, even more importantly, character traits. And, you know, at first I was like, you know, what am I going to write down? I started to pray about it. And I started, I started to have some ideas. And over time I'd write these things in my journal. I don't call it a diary. It's a journal, okay? Not a diary. It's a journal. And in this journal I would write down these traits. And whenever I think of a new one, I'd write it down as well. And over time, I came up with a list of 20 traits, 20 traits that I really wanted to see in this future life partner of mine. Do you want to hear some of these 20 traits? Is that okay? Yeah? I, I know a few, a few, maybe a couple months ago, I shared with you Charlene's list. She had four traits, all right? Four traits, you know, and it included, you know, you know lo- someone who, you know, loves her family, uh, who, who loves their family, who, who's, uh, you know, who, who, who can lead her, who puts God first, who's exceedingly good looking, you know, all that stuff. I'm, I'm kidding about the last one. Kidding about the last one. Something about a good temper, that, that, that kind of stuff. And so she shared her four. Can I share with you some of my 20? Is that okay? All right? Okay, here we go. Here we go. I'm going to ask our, our keyboards to play some romantic music right now. Is that okay? Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I won't, I'm not sure all of it, but here's a sum of it, all right? Um, last time I shared this was maybe three and a half years ago, but our church has doubled in size since then, so many of you haven't heard this. Let me, let, me just, here, let me just show you guys some of the things I was looking for. Here we go. Number one, should I use a lower, more uh, you know, romantic, Barry White voice for this? Okay. Okay. A lover of God. She loves God first before anything else. She spends time with God. She prays. She strives to be better all the time and to become the woman God designed her to be. There's a spiritual maturity about her, not a fluffiness, but depth. She will strive to love me God's way, which means she'll probably be more devoted, faithful, submissive, gentle, patient, and strong than the average girl. I need someone who puts the Lord first in her life. If you believe that, say amen. Amen. I'm going to go back to my normal voice. Number two. She has a heart for God and God's people. She uses her gifts to serve God's people, and she does it with humility. Number three, she is wise. Everyone say wise. She seeks to be wise and exercises wisdom in the decisions she makes. She isn't reckless or foolish with what she's given. She's a good decision maker. Number four, she loves her family. Everyone say family. She has a good relationship with her parents. She's obedient to them. She respects them. If she has siblings, she has a good, healthy relationship with them too. Uh, Number five, she's not a loudmouth. Everyone say loudmouth. Not a loud mouth. She isn't loud. She's not a chatterbox. She knows when to listen, when to speak. She enjoys just not, she doesn't demand attention from everyone, but is content as she is. Number six, supportive and encouraging. Everyone say encouraging. She actively goes out of her way to support and encourage me. She isn't overly critical. She points out negative things about me only when she does it with the intention of making me better. She's a big fan of what I do. She encourages me to excel. She brings out the best in me. She's the first there when I fall. Number seven, fun. Everyone say fun. Someone who's willing to play with me and play along with me and who puts up with my craziness. She finds me actually funny. All right. Number eight, best friend. There needs to be a strong friendship as a foundation. We genuinely care about each other. 
She loves to hear how I'm doing. I love to hear about how she's doing. There's deep, there's something deep that we share. Number nine, self-control. Don't say self-control. She knows when to say no. Number 10, a hard worker. She's diligent. She takes her own work seriously. She does her best in it. Number 11, she's teachable. She wants me to lead and lets me lead. She's a great follower. She's not argumentative. She doesn't have to be right all the time. Number 12, I love her. Despite everything, because of everything, there's no doubt in my mind that I want to be with her for the rest of my life. I can't live without her. My heart and my mind both say yes. 13, thankful, appreciative, and happy. She's thankful for what she has. She's content. She makes the most of what she has instead of greedily striving for more than is necessary. She is a happy girl. Number 14, we work great as a team. Everyone say team. We work well in projects together. We complement one another's strengths and bring out the best in one another. Number 15, easy going. Everyone say easy going. She gets along well with others. She's easy to get along with people generally. She doesn't have a bad temper. She's warm. She's patient. Number 16, respected. Everyone say respected. She has the favor of God and the favor of man on her life. People respect her. Younger girls look up to her. Number 17, not flirtatious, only with me. Number 18, trustworthy and dependable. I can count on her. What she says, she will do. Number 19, humble. She doesn't boast or demand attention from crowds. She's content in who she is and looks at herself with sober judgment. 20, I'm attracted to her. She's the sexiest thing in the world to me. All right? So there's the 20. These are the top 20. And doesn't that sound like Pastor Shar? Doesn't that sound like everything like her? Yeah? Amen? 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 And, and, and you know, this is, this is what I wrote long before uh, we were thinking about, long before I even had her in mind. And uh, I, I put five extras down as well. I put A, uh, I put, uh, there's, like, there's one to 20, there's A, B, C, D, E, okay? A was healthy and energetic. Uh, B is musical. It'd be nice to have these things. These are not essential, but it'd be nice. C is a nice speaking voice, okay? Um, which she has, yes. And uh, D is that we look good together. She's preferably shorter and smaller than I am. All right, yes. And E, that she's not a worrier. And you know, after I wrote down this list of 20 traits and then some, I, I wrote down a prayer at the end of it all in my journal. And I said, Father, I pray for this girl, if she exists, and whoever my future spouse is right now, please bless her, protect her, and encourage her, and bless our road to meeting and becoming husband and wife. And as you can see, not all of these traits had to do with character. Some related to our compatibility. Some related to the other's personality. But a lot of them were character-related. And when I had this list, all of a sudden, I knew much, much more clearly who I was looking for. It helped me to kind of sift the wheat from the chaff. Whenever my feelings would want to get ahead of me, I could go back to this list and go, okay, let me just look at this a little bit more clearly. Does this person actually have what I'm looking for? And when I knew what character traits to look for, it helped me to spot the best partner I could ever ask for. And what ended up happening was just a few months after I wrote this list, along came a beautiful girl called Charlene who came into my life. And, uh, and, and over time, realizing that, oh my goodness, every one of these traits that I've written down describes her so incredibly well. And uh, I'm just so thankful for my mentor who said, you know what, if you don't, if you don't know who you're looking for, you're going to fall for anyone. And I'm so glad I took the time to focus on character. Could you have got a big, big hand here in this place together right now? Amen. Amen. Have you had enough of hearing my deepest, innermost thoughts? I'm going I'm to leave it at that. But the fact is this. What I learned from that whole experience is that the most important thing you can focus on when looking for a life partner is something called character. You know, I don't expect you to have exactly the same list as mine. You don't, it doesn't have to be nearly as long as mine. Uh, I just tend to be kind of wordy that way. But I hope that you have a checklist of your own 
of qualities that you need to see in the person you want to marry. And to help you get started in that, in case you don't really have that today, today I want to end by giving you, sharing with you, nine essential characteristics, character traits that God's word tells us that we need to make sure a person has before we marry them. See, and if your partner does not have these traits, it doesn't matter how sweet and romantic they are. It doesn't matter how they look. It doesn't matter how hot they are. The fact is your marriage is going to be pretty miserable without these nine traits. These traits might seem pretty obvious and simple, but it is amazing. After counseling, I don't know how many couples and seeing of our own friends getting married and then you know getting divorced and, and other things like that. It's amazing how people will go into marriage without considering the importance of these traits. And so I want to encourage you to write these down to help you remember these nine traits we're going to look at today. I'm going to give you an acrostic, which is the word character. The word character. And each one of these letters in this word is going to represent one trait. Before I tell you what these traits are, these nine characteristics, let me tell you, are the basics. Everyone say, it's the basics. They're the basics. You can feel free to add to this other things that are important to you. If nice hair is really that important to you, then put it in. You know, if being romantic is that important to you, then put it in. But these are the nine essential things you want to make sure that your spouse has before you marry them. These traits, by the way, have nothing to do with personality. You can be extroverted and have these. You can be introverted and have these. You can be funny and have these. You can be serious and have these. You can be rational and have these. You can be emotional and have these. These have nothing to do with personality. They have everything to do with character. Finally, another important quality fire to you for you today is this in focusing on these nine traits really important is that we are not looking for perfection amen the fact is this none of us is perfect that's why we need a savior none of us is perfect that's why god sent his son jesus christ to die on the cross for all of our sins it's because all of us are broken turn neighbor and say i am broken All of us have flaws. All of us have weaknesses. All of us have our bad days. And so when we talk about these these traits that you need to see in your own life partner, then the fact is this, is that you and I, we don't always beat those traits all the time either sometimes. We have our own bad days as well. But what you want to look for is not perfection. What you want to look for is consistency. What you want to look for is someone who basically, and if, you want to, if it helps to put a number on it, nine times out of ten is this way. Ninety-seven times out of hundred is this way. And if they slip up, it, make sure it's not a major slip up. For example, T, I'm going to give, I'll just, I'll just, you don't have to show it on the screen, but let me just give, give one right away to you, is T is going to stand for trustworthy. And see, say that person is usually very trustworthy. They're very responsible. Usually, you can count on them to do what they say they will do. They will keep their word. But say one out of 1,000 days or one out of 100 days, you ask them to pick something up from the store, and they come back home, they go, oh, oh my goodness, I forgot. I'm so sorry. You can, don't be like, oh, <laughs> I'm so disappointed in you. <laughs> I was looking for someone who was trustworthy. How could you do this? It's over. It's over. No, you, you, you don't. You don't want to. You don't jump to conclusions. You want to give that person a break. You want to give yourself a break. It's not that big a deal. It's not a major slip up. But if it's a major slip up, it kind of doesn't matter how many times it happens. You know, if it's a, if it happened even once and it's a major thing, then that in and of itself, if you're dating that person, is a red flag. Say, 99 days out of 100 days, they are faithful to you. But then on day 100, or one day in 100, they you know, end up being with someone else, lying to you in a major way. Then bells should be going off in your head. And they're not wedding bells. They're alarm bells. They could be wah, 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 wah. 
stop and consider what you're doing with this person. Is it really wise to continue with the relationship? See, you're not looking for perfection. You're looking for consistency. You're looking for character. Amen. And so if you're considering someone, make sure they have the following nine characteristics that I'm going to recommend to you that the Bible talks about. Number, no, well, they're not numbers, they're letters. So let me go through them, each one right now. C is for Christ follower. C is for Christ follower. See, oh, JB, isn't that more just like your religious status? Isn't that just more like your faith background? How many of us know that your faith and your character have everything to do with one another? is that if you are someone who loves God and you love Jesus, you put Jesus first, that is not just a, a philosophical bent that you have. That's not just a, you know, a, a religious status that you have. But even more than that, that infiltrates everything about who you are. It infiltrates into the way you love people, the way you treat people, the way you look at life, the way you live. And so C is for Christ follower, is that you want to find someone who loves God, who follows God, who loves Jesus. Because you're going to find that if you are a Christ follower and you marry someone who's not a Christ follower, oh my goodness, you are asking for a whole lot of trouble and a whole lot of uncertainty, both for yourselves and for your kids in the future. That's why the Bible speaks so much about it. But let's look at a couple verses right now. Romans 15. 5 to 6. What does it say? Read it with me. It says, May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus, so that with one heart and mouth you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. C stands for Christ follower. H stands for humble. See, as important as we all think humility might be, the fact is often people misunderstand what humility is. Humility is not being a doormat. Humility is not weakness. Humility is not letting other people just step all over you no matter how you feel. Humility is not looking down on yourself. Humility is not having a low self-worth or a low self-image. In fact, humility, you're going to find true humility actually takes great strength. True humility actually takes you being very secure in who you are because you're stepping outside of yourself to serve others first. Here's a definition for humility that you can write down today. Humility is putting others before yourself all the while being secure in your own worth and value. It's not being a doormat. It's not just letting others just step all over you, but humility is saying, I'm secure in who I am. I know that God loves me. I know that I'm worth something in his eyes. I know he's gifted me with talents, and so he's gifted me with these opportunities, this time that he has given to me. I'm going to use those to serve other people. That is humility. If you believe that, say amen. That's why Ephesians 4, 2 says it this way. Read it with me. What does it say? It says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. See, there are so many practical aspects to humility, but let me just mention just a few right now. See, you write this down. Humility is being willing to admit when you're wrong and to apologize. It's being willing to say, I'm sorry. In fact, we practiced this a few weeks ago, didn't we? We said, I'm sorry. Girls in this place, could you just repeat after me? Honey, say it again. Honey. I'm so sorry. Guys in this place, repeat after me and say, baby, I apologize. It was my bad. Not sure why only 10% of you are saying it right now. But the fact is this. The fact is this. It's about being willing to admit when you're wrong and to apologize. Another, another aspect, another face of humility is humility is not always insisting on your own way. It's being willing to compromise when it has nothing to do with right or wrong. That's what humility is. It's being a team player. It's saying it's not just about what I want and what I demand, but it's also thinking about others as well and saying, how can I serve you? What's going to serve both of our needs at the same time? That is called humility. Humility is also serving others before yourself. 
It's living for a purpose that is bigger than yourself. It's not just all about you, your comfort, your happiness, your own success, your own fortune, your own fame. It's about putting other people's needs ahead of your own and living unselfishly. It's about empathizing with another person's feelings, trying to step outside of your world into theirs so you can understand how they feel. Humility is also being willing to forgive when you are wronged. It's realizing that, you know, we all are broken. We all need something called grace, which is good things that we don't deserve. Knowing that all of us are in need of God's grace, we're willing to extend it to others as well. That is called humility. You know what the opposite of humility is? The opposite of humility is pride. And if a person you're considering will never admit when they're wrong, they are not willing to serve other people, not willing to put others in front, they're not willing to you know, consider other people's points of view, then that, that person very well probably has an issue with pride. And you're going to find this, is that in relationships, humility builds bridges, pride builds walls. And so you want, to, you, want, you want to find a bridge builder, someone who's humble enough to make these kind of bridges with you so that you can have a happy, healthy marriage together. If you believe us, say amen. Don't marry someone who struggles with humility. A stands for anger under control. This one's really important as well. Anger under control. See, Proverbs 22, 24, and 25 says it this way. Read it with me in a big, loud voice. Proverbs 22, 24, and 25 says, Do not make friends with a hot-tempered man. Do not associate with one easily angered, or you may learn his ways and get yourself ensnared. Look at Proverbs 29:22. What does it say? It says, "An angry person starts fights. A hot-tempered person commits all kinds of sin." Let, let me ask you this question. Is it a sin to be angry? Is it a sin to be angry? Not necessarily. Not necessarily. The fact is all of us will feel angry from time to time. God feels angry. He, he, there, God has anger as well, but his anger is not a sin. God is holy. He is perfect. But here's the thing, is that all of us will feel anger from time to time, sometimes extremely angry. Sometimes we've got very justifiable reasons for our anger, but what matters is how we deal with our anger. That's why the Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. It's possible to have anger without sinning. And the thing is this, if the person that you're considering has an explosive temper, if they're like a ticking time bomb where you never really know when they're going to blow up, if the person has got such a short fuse that any little thing can set them off, if that person has violent tendencies, if that person is often speaking about grudges that they have, bitterness that they hold against people, and it's a pattern, it's like it's not just one person, but it's over and over with different people, then that person very likely doesn't have their anger under control, and you got to watch out if you are dating someone like that. And see, a person with that kind of, when you're married to someone who's that got anger with, without any control over it, you're going to find that your home is going to be filled with stress. It's going to be filled with insecurity, filled with fear. And so look for someone who's got their anger under control. Amen. Amen. R is for respectful. R is for respectful. Let's look at a few verses together right now. First Peter chapter 2, verse 17. What does it say? It says, treat everyone with respect and love your spiritual family. Fear God and respect the king. First Peter 3, 7 says this to husbands. Husbands, why don't you read it with me? Husbands, it says, husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect. It also goes both ways. Ephesians 5, 33, let all the women say, it said, the wife must respect her husband. See, what is respect? Let me give you a definition for respect real quick. Respect is treating the people around you as having independent worth and value. 
Respect is treating the people in your home, the people that you meet, even strangers that you meet, as having worth and value in and of themselves, regardless of what they do for you, regardless of whether you agree with them all the time, regardless of whether you even like them, you treat them with respect because you believe that God loves that person and you believe that they have independent worth and value. And see, like humility, you're going to find that respect shows up in a lot of practical ways. It's one thing to say, I'm a very humble person, but it's nothing to actually show it in practical ways. And see, when it comes to respect, the same is as well. See, it shows up, respect shows up in things like how a person talks to you. You know, when they communicate with you, are they polite? Are they honoring? Are they respectful in the words that they use? Do they listen attentively to you? Do they listen respectfully? Or are they only, you know, concerned about when you're listening to them? When they disagree with you, are they respectful in the way they disagree? Or are they sarcastic? Are they condescending? Or do they look down on you that way? See, respect also shows up in the way that that person uses people's time. If you have an appointment, a date with them, do they show up late? And if so, do they, you know, do they, do they you know, let you know in advance, hey, so sorry, I'm going to be about 10 minutes late. I'll be there as soon as I can. I'm so sorry. Or do they just kind of show up when they show up and they don't really apologize for any of that? That's an, also an indicator of respect. Respect shows up in how people greet one another. Is that, you know, do they say hi to you? Do they use your name? Or, or are they, oh, you again? Oh, you, yes. Do, do they make you feel like a million bucks? or more like 50 bucks, or like a spare change. See, that all has to do with respect. Does that person treat you with respect? Do they treat their family, their own family with respect? The fact is this, if, if that person that you're considering does not treat their own family with respect, they don't treat their, their parents with respect, you gotta watch out, because one day, if you marry them, you will be their family. And, they are, and, and so girls watch the way that the guy treats their mom especially. Guys, watch the way that your girl treats her dad and her family. It's because that, is, that has everything to do with respect. R is for respectful. A is for addiction-free. Addiction-free. You know, there are very few things that introduce more stress, frustration, and danger into a marriage and into a home than if one person in the marriage has an addiction, whether it's to alcohol or it's drugs, or it's to gambling, or it's an eating disorder, or it's pornography. Addictions have the potential to destroy marriages and families. And if you are addicted to something, and it's a very, very serious thing, then you got to get help and make sure that you are clean and o- that, that, that you're over it before you involve someone in a romantic relationship. Look at Proverbs 23, verse 20. What does it say? It says, Do not associate with those who drink too much wine, with those who eat too much meat. Yeah, Proverbs 25, 28 says it this way. It says this, it says, like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. See, back then in Solomon's time, cities had a defense. It was the city wall. And what this is saying is that if you don't have control over your appetites, control over your passions, then what's going to happen is like you're a city with no defenses. Your home will become a home without defenses. And you, you leave the people that you love the most in great danger. A is for addiction-free. C is for committed to hard work and getting wiser. Committed to hard work and growing personally. See, does this person work hard? Do they give their best? You know, when they're asked to do something, do they give their very all? Or do they kind of just kind of give a half-baked effort? See, I believe that God wants all of us to be giving our very best as if serving him. Proverbs 10, 4 says it this way. It says, lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. 
Lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring wealth. Look at Proverbs 12, 27. Could you read it with me, church? What does it say? It says, the lazy man does not roast his game, but the diligent man prizes his possessions. You want to find someone who's committed to working hard. And not just committed to working hard, but they're also committed to growing in wisdom. Committed to growing personally. They don't just want to stay the same all the time, but they want to strive to become everything that God made them to be. They take initiative. They're, my favorite word, proactive. They're self-starters. You're going to find this is that when you're married to someone who's committed, not just to hard work, work, but also to growing personally, you can be in year 10 or year 20 of your relationship together, and it will be sweeter than year one. Do you know why? It's because you're committed to getting better at loving one another. You're committed to learning each other's language of love and speaking it. You're, co- you're committed to managing conflict in a wiser way. And so it's actually possible, I know this from personal experience, is that it is possible to have a marriage where your relationship is happier, healthier, better, sweeter at year 15, 16 than it was at year one when you're committed to growing together. Amen. Amen. C is for committed to hard work and getting wise. Look at Proverbs 18, 2 with me. What does it say? It says, fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to err their own opinions. Married guys and married girls in this place, this applies to us as well. We don't want to have a fixed mindset of our lives. Oh, no, no, that's, that's, that's not me. I'm not going to do that for you. That's, that's, no, I've never done that for you. I'm not, I'm not going to start now. We want to have not a fixed mindset about our marriage or a fixed mindset of ourselves. We want to have a growth mindset where we're saying, you know what? I'm committed to learning how best to love my family and to love my spouse because in that there is hope for your marriage. Amen. T stands for trustworthy. T is for trustworthy. We touched on this earlier. If the person that you're thinking of is consistently irresponsible, if responsibilities have this way of just for some reason slipping through their fingers, sorry I slept in, oh sorry I forgot, sorry I thought it was another day, and, and, and this happens not just once but over and over and over again. They don't follow through their promises. They don't keep their word. If they lie often and you're not really sure if they're telling the truth, that's a red alert that you need to be really watching out to see whether you want to stay in that relationship because T is for trustworthy. Look at Luke chapter 16 verse 10. What does it say? It says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. Is this helpful in this place this morning? Yeah, you can respond a little bit more. Proactive church, come on. E is for encouraging and positive. Encouraging and positive. Proverbs 25, 24 says it this way. It says this. It is better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in a lovely home. Isn't that interesting? Solomon, King Solomon, he's the king of Israel, and he is the one who's attributed with this verse. And I could just imagine how King Solomon came up with this verse. He's, he's in his beautiful royal palace, but he can't enjoy it because his wife is constantly criticizing him constantly nagging at him, constantly complaining to him. And so all he can do is just go up to the attic in of his palace. He locks the door. He just sits in a little corner, and he writes this on a piece of paper. It is better to live alone in the corner of an attic than with a quarrelsome wife in lovely home. But then, but then, it's, it's, it's not over because you, see, you hear a bang on the door. She bursts through the door. She gets into the attic as well, and she starts to nag him even more and complain even more. And so what does, De- what, what does Solomon do? He runs out of the house. He goes out into the desert, and he writes Proverbs twenty-one nineteen. And what does that say? It says, read it with me. It says, it is better to live alone in the desert than with a quarrelsome, complaining wife. See, this is the thing. 
How many of us, didn't you know the Bible is full of humor? And the fact is this, is that your partner, your partner should be your biggest fan. Amen. Your partner should be your biggest fan, not your worst critic. When you're going through the toughest times, that partner of yours should be the type that lifts you up instead of tearing you down even more. They, want, they, they, they have a positive outlook on life. They're, they're, not, they're, they're someone who looks at the good instead of focusing on the bad. They're, 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 they're someone who can say, the best is yet to come instead of the worst is yet to come. You, know, you want to be someone who's, got encur- who's, who's encouraging and positive, and you want your spouse to be that same way as well. Ephesians 4, 29 says it this way. Read with me a big, loud voice. What does it say? It says, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Be an encouragement to others. Turn to your neighbor and say, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. So be encouraging and positive. Look for someone who's encouraging and positive. If there is like a critical complaining streak in that person where they are habitually complaining, they're habitually negative, they're habitually critical, then get ready. You will, you will feel like Solomon going, I got to find a place in the desert. That's because you want to find someone who's encouraging and positive. Final one, the final one is R is for resilient. R is for resilient. What does resilient mean? Resilient means that you don't give up easily. Resilient means that when the going gets tough, you get tougher. Is that resilient means that you don't, you know, just say, I, I, I throw in the towel, I'm out of here. It's being resilient. It's saying, I, I'm going to persevere. I'm going to stick it out. Is the person that you're considering someone who's known for sticking it out? Or are they more known for bouncing from one place to another, one relationship to another, one company to another, one church to another? They're just kind of always bouncing. When, when things get tough and the honeymoon period is over, they bounce. You don't, you don't want to find someone like that who's, who's, who's bouncing all the time. You want to find someone who's resilient. Look at 1 Corinthians 13, 7. What does it say? It says, love never stops being patient, never stops believing, never stops hoping, and never gives up. See, marriage is tough. Even the best of marriages, there are, there are full of challenges. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. And what you need for a life partner is someone who will not give up easily. Amen? Amen. These are nine essential traits that God's word says your spouse needs to have. And it's, it's, let's, let's review it real quick. Character is the acrostic. C is for Christ follower. H is for humble. A is for anger under control. R is for respectful. A is for addiction free. C is for committed to hard work and personal growth. T is for trustworthy. E is for encouraging and positive. R is for resilient. And so if you're here and you're single in this place and you're wanting to get married and people ask you, so what kind of person are you looking for? You can tell them, I'm looking for someone with character. I'm looking for a Christ follower who's humble, who's got their anger under control, who's respectful to me and to others, who's addiction-free, who's committed to working hard and giving his best or her best and growing in the process. I'm, I'm looking for someone who's trustworthy, who's encouraging and positive, and who's resilient. Come on, if you believe I give God a big, big hand here this place right now. You and I, let's look for character. And one last thought as we close this morning is don't just pray that you would find this kind of person for a life partner. Pray that you would become that kind of person for your life partner. See, how about you? Are you a person of character? You know, in my experience, I find this, is that if you're here, the great thing and the great news of Jesus is that there is always hope. Maybe you're here and you're looking at all 90s characteristics we're talking about, and you might be married already, and you're thinking to yourself, I feel so bad for my 
husband. I still feel so bad for my wife. I still feel so bad for my kids that I'm, I'm not so many of these things. Can I tell you this? Because Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins and rose again from the grave. We always have hope for tomorrow. And we can say with God's help, we can become the kind of spouse, the kind of parent that God made us to be. If you want to grow in these traits and be a man of character, a woman of character, can I give you one suggestion? There's so many things we'd say, but in, in the interest of time, let me give you one thing today. The best way to grow and become a man of character, a woman of character, is to focus on the first. Follow Jesus Christ follow Jesus. You're going to find this, is that the more you follow Jesus, the more you take his word seriously, the more you grow in your relationship with Jesus, the more you're going to find that these other eight character traits are going to flow into your life. The more you follow Jesus, the more humble you're going to become. The more you follow Jesus, the more self-control you will have over anger and addictions. The more you follow Jesus, the more you're able to see the value in other people and respect them for who they are. The more you follow Jesus, the more you will want to work hard and grow wiser and to grow personally so you could be a better husband or a better wife or a better father, a better mom, a better friend to others. The more you follow Jesus, the more you'll have this attitude of trustworthiness where everything all of a sudden takes on significance because you want to glorify God. You want to honor others and be trustworthy with what you have. The more you follow Jesus, the more encouraging and positive you become about your situation, the more hope you can have about your life. The more you follow Jesus, the more resilient you are in facing problems, knowing that if God is for me, who can be against me? That's what happens when you follow Jesus, is that you become more and more a person of character. Oh, come on. Give God a big hand, a big shout in this place this morning. <laughs> Philippians 2, 12 to 13. It's our last verse today. It puts it this way. It says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to its good purpose. In other words, what is it saying? Is that as you work on your relationship with Jesus, almost like you're working on a muscle, as you work on your relationship with Jesus, God works in you the kind of character he wants to see in you. Praise God that we've seen that happen over and over and over here at Thrive Church. We've got guys who've struggled with depression, with negativity, with hopelessness, with complaining. But it's through a relationship with Jesus Christ and learn to follow Jesus that they find themselves more hopeful and more positive about to the future than ever before. We've got girls in our church who used, used to struggle with, you know, giving up a lot, wanting to give up, feeling like I got no worth and all that stuff. But being here at Thrive Church, being part of a family, learning to draw near to Jesus, learning of God's love for them, they're finding a resilience to face life's problems that they didn't have before. It's because when you follow Jesus Christ, you find that not only does he give you salvation and forgiveness of your sins, he gives you the ability to transform into a greater version of who you were made to be. If you believe that, come on, give God a big, big hand here this place together right now. Amen. The best way to become a man of character, one of character, is follow Jesus. Turn your neighbors and say, it's to follow Jesus. It's to follow Jesus. Have you learned something in this place this morning? Can we all stand to our feet? You know, maybe you're here in this place and you realize today that you've got some work to do. Maybe you're here in this place and you realize that there's a relationship you are in right now. You're dating someone right now that really doesn't have these characteristics. I want to encourage you to pray hard 
and really ask yourself seriously, is this something that you need to continue or close up? Because if this person lacks any one of these nine characteristics, these crucial, essential characteristics, to continue on with the relationship is just asking for a lot of misery for both you and that person. Don't withhold the decision to end it gracefully, gently, wisely, if you still have the power to do so. Because let me tell you this, it is worse to be married in an awful marriage than to be single the rest of your life. It might not sound like that feel, it might not feel like that sometimes, but it is so true. It is better to be single for the rest of your life and to serve God happily with focus than to be in a relationship or a marriage where you are battling a lot of these issues we're talking about today. And so don't settle for anything less than the best. Choose wisely. Choose well. And the married people in this place, let's give our very best to be the very best man of character or woman of character we can be to our spouse, to our kids, to our friends, to our family, to our church. If you believe that, give God a big, big hand for this place right now. Amen.